Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The state of Illinois is poised to begin its third year without a full budget, a fact not lost on the bond rating agencies, which lowered the state's bond rating to the lowest of any U.S. state ever. Finger-pointing is in full force, but Illinois' fiscal hole is getting bigger by the day. So the question to ask is, what's next? Well, we'll find out. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guests this week are two members of the Illinois Senate, where at times it looked as if a grand bargain was being reached. That was a package of bills that seemed to be a compromise, incorporating a tax increase and some of Governor Rauner's so-called turnaround agenda. Here to help us understand what happened are State Senator Michael Connolly, a Republican from the western suburbs, and Senator Don Harmon, the Democratic president pro tem of the Senate. He is from Oak Park, and gentlemen, welcome. And uh, they have both uh, come back from Springfield, but I presume uh, both of you will be going back pretty soon. Uh, so at least probably a lot of the public and the bond rating agencies hope so. Um, more than once, Governor Bruce Rauner seemed to encourage the bipartisan work that was going on in the Senate to forge some kind of compromise budget plan. Uh, Senate President John Cullerton and Republican leader Christine Redonio praised each other. Uh, then everything seemed to fall apart. Um, Senator Don Harmon, what happened well, the governor publicly praised the Senate for our work, but privately he did everything he could to undermine that work, including pulling Republicans off of the, the votes when the, the bills were finally before the Senate. In the end, we as Democrats went alone and we passed the governor's budget after balancing it, and we passed all of the elements of the grand bargain, including workers' compensation reform, pension reform, government consolidation, government purchasing reform, uh, the governor just doesn't seem to know how to declare victory and continues to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Well, now, um, S- Senator Connolly, when we had Governor uh, uh, Rauner on our air not long after that happened, he said, I had nothing to do with this. I said, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't get involved at all. Um, while I will admit that doesn't sound very plausible, um, what did, how, how did things go off the rails when it looked like they were going so well? Well, first of all, I was told to be nice today, but I guess, you know, I'm not going to, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> uh, and Don, Don Harmon is a friend of mine, so I can, I can laugh about that. Um, the first grand bargain, if you remember, was literally the day before the end of session ended, uh, the 99th General Assembly. And, uh, I think we were very close. I think there were some on both sides of the aisle who said, are we taking votes today that aren't going to be heard in the House of Representatives? They're swearing in a new General Assembly tomorrow. Uh, let's, keep the, let's keep the ball rolling. And we did. Um, at the end of the day, for Republicans to sign, there, there has to be painful votes on both sides for a true grand bargain to be there. On workers' compensation, 
I can give you a little inside story that Kwame Raul and I worked very hard over Christmas and New Year's to try to come up and, and forge a real compromise. The bill near the end um, was very close, so close, in fact, that he shoveled the, the bill file across the conference room table uh, in the Capitol to me saying, I can't be the sponsor of this bill uh, for because of my stakeholders. And I gladly took it, and that bill... Uh, that work comp reform uh, did not look like the the bill that was passed in the Senate a few weeks ago. I I want to commend both leaders of both caucuses. The silos are now shown to the state of Illinois. Higher ed, K through twelve, uh, our pension payments, our social service agencies. Um, I still have a glass, even though this glass is only a quarter filled with water. It's still half filled. Uh, and I think we're closer than we've ever been before. Um, but it does seem as if as we get close to what appears to be a deal, Governor Rauner has on a couple of occasions said that element of it isn't quite enough. And I think uh, I think uh, I'm trying to remember which exact bill he talked about this last time. But, uh, for example, the education uh, funding bill, another piece of legislation that's been moving, where he said, nah, it's not quite it yet, uh, but was still something that was a compromise and worked out among the lawmakers. Uh, is that kind of nudging part of the, the situation here? Now the school, well, first of all, the school funding bill that was passed the other day uh, brings $700 million in new spending, 80 of, 80% of which goes to the city of Chicago, which has 20% of the students in the state of Illinois. So that's a non-starter for, for any of us who don't represent the city of Chicago. But getting back to... Why? Why, that, is, getting, that, why is that a non-starter? It's, it's a non-starter, Don, because Barrick, Jason Barrickman and Andy Menar came up with... Even I, I, I wouldn't have supported their compromise. Um, but that's not what happened when it came back from the House of Representatives. It but, was not tweaked. But 268 school districts in the state of Illinois do better per pupil than the city of Chicago. This is an evidence-based formula that provides for adequate funding for all students. Why are students in the city of Chicago less deserving than students in your district or in the the more prosperous suburban parts of my district? It's it's actually it's actually the other way around, Don. We're spending more on that bill for Chicago students per pupil than we are in the rest of the state. No, we're not. We let, are. Well, let me, let me ask though. Let, uh, yeah. Let's concede because we had some, we did a, had a discussion on evidence-based modeling and part of the theory of it is that in fact you do have to spend more in districts where there's special education, where there are other, uh, so let, let's, let, let's concede the point that more is going to be spent per pupil is that necessarily a bad thing if you have higher needs in some districts? Well, that we had mandated categoricals, and and we, our side of the aisle, proved about four years ago that when you did the analysis, Chicago was getting thirty five percent of special needs funding, and they had eighteen percent of the students of special needs students. So therefore, a special needs child in in the western suburbs uh, was getting less money. Uh, than a special needs child in the city of Chicago. But special this, needs kids aren't all the same. Okay, and it, I'm going to ask but I, each of you to let the other but one the most The most important part of this whole analysis is we're talking about uh, available local resources. 
And we're close to this. We're close to the loop. The loop is a TIF district. Chicago has 146 or whatever the number is TIF districts. They divert sometimes 500 million a year, sometimes 400. I believe now it's close to $450 million a year. Much of that money would go to public education in Chicago. I can't believe this, but Karen Lewis and I are on the same page when it comes to what are the available local resources for Chicago. And unless and until that is included in any funding formula, then Chicago is winning um, on a two-to-one basis. They ha- that has to be included. Now, Don Harmon, what's the problem with that, the reasoning as far as you see it? This is a single education funding formula. It's based on evidence and trying to bring every student to a level of adequacy. We're replacing a broken uh, education funding system that had all sorts of inequities. What I, I see my Republican colleagues arguing is that because we're finally treating the city of Chicago the same way we treat every other school district in the state with respect to pension funding, it's somehow a bailout. In fact, it's reversing decades of inequity that have compromised education in the city of Chicago. And that's bad for everyone. Mike, you work in the city of Chicago and so do I. We live in the suburbs. The city is the economic engine that drives our region. If our public schools in the city are broken, DuPage County suffers. We're all in this together. We're just trying to find an adequate formula. The same formula applies to every school district in the state now. Same rules. And again, 268 school districts do better under this than the, than the Chicago public schools. Let me ask, uh, this. I can't imagine that this is a zero-sum uh, issue here that it's either one all the way one way or all the way the other. Is there some level of extra help for Chicago that Republican lawmakers could live with? And is there some uh, tinkering with the numbers, Don Harmon, that that Democrats could live with? Because let's face it, the city itself has been thinking about things like. TIF surplus money and borrowing uh, to make up some of its, uh, its, the money it's not getting from Springfield. So for both of you, can there be a compromise on this that both sides can live with? I think there can. As I, as I indicated earlier, if you're going to include available local resources, you have to include the TIF money. In fact, they settled the last teacher strike with TIF money. So it's pre almost you know, they understand that that money really would be going to public education. Um, but at the end of the day, the districts that I represent and Don represents as well, certainly in the suburbs, um, we're funded by our property taxes. And we have property taxes that in some cases, in a lot of cases in my district, exceed the mortgages of the homes that the people live in. And um, we understand our money is going to our local school district. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we're going to, if we're going to change the funding formula statewide, everyone needs to be treated from a, from a avo- available local resources standpoint the same. Okay, Don Harmon. Of course there's room to compromise, and there always is. Um, the TIF issue is a small pimple on the, the hide of a fundamental change to the way we fund schools. And, and to say that you're against it because of that, it's, it's, it's a small thing. This is the fundamental problem in Springfield right now. Compromise means not getting everything that you want. And the governor certainly doesn't understand that notion of compromise. 
Because every time we, we try to reach a middle ground where he doesn't get everything he wants and we don't get everything we want, he says it's not good enough. He's saying the same thing about education funding now. He's been a champion of changing the way we fund education. This is essentially an agreed bill between all the stakeholders, Democrats, Republicans, education leaders across the state. No bill is perfect, but for heaven's sakes, if you're for education funding reform, this is a huge win. Let me uh, ask a broader question, because uh, in interviews after the uh, May 31st session ended, Governor Rauner insisted that this is not a partisan battle. Um, He said this is political insiders versus those who want change. Now, uh, I'm sorry, but there are Democrats on one side, there are Republicans on the other. Uh, Is this not a partisan battle? And... Is it, is it not a political battle that's looking toward an election in the near future? We, we work in a political building. It's the state capitol. But at the end of the day, and I agree with Don, the city of Chicago's financial health and the strength of their schools helps everybody. It helps the entire region. Uh, I often talk to high school classes and I talk about what's going, what, how Springfield works. And it's very regional. And I took the Metro in today, so I want the Metro to work. Um, my kids drive in on the Eisenhower. I want the Eisenhower repaved. So there's a, there's, we want to see Chicago succeed. At the end of the day, the governor came into office and said, look, I am, I'm, I'm a transactional person. I want, to, I want to change the state the way they do business. I want to get the state back on track. And to the extent that it's partisan, if you will, he is a Republican governor. And uh, he is, he's already talked about the things he's, he's uh, willing to compromise on. And frankly, again, I don't think we're that far. And I think there are a number of examples of where we have, uh, comp- both parties have worked together uh, on a number of issues this session. President Cullerton said in his, his closing speech uh, the other night that he thought this was one of the most productive sessions on a bipartisan basis that he's ever been a part of. And... Um, I, I just think that at the end of the day, there has to be uh, the kind of reform. It, no one's going to get everything they want. I understand that, and the governor understands that. But for him to sign a, a, a budget, complete budget, uh, there has to be something for him to bring to Illinois that type of uh, the job creators and the, and the private sector capital that will fill the, fill the homes with new families, fill the factories with new workers, and fill our coffers with uh, with new revenue. Don Harmon, I'm going to give you a chance to respond in just a second. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about the state budget and everything else going on or not going on in Springfield right now. My guests are Democratic State Senator Don Harmon of Oak Park and Republican State Senator Michael Connolly from the western suburbs. Uh, Senator Harmon, it it does sound like things are closer than the uh, political rhetoric would indicate, but uh, what's keeping everybody apart? My complaint is not with my Republican colleagues in the Senate. They have shown goodwill and a willingness to work with us and to compromise. My complaint's with the governor. He's like the captain of an airplane flying overhead who says, you know what we really need? We really need new seats. More people would fly our airline if we had bigger, more comfortable seats. Well, Governor, we're out of fuel and the engines are on fire. You can't rebuild an airplane in midair if you don't pay attention to what really matters. We've got to, if you want reform in this state, you want Illinois to be business friendly, pass a budget. 
gosh sakes, that's the most important thing we can do for long-term stability and predictability for businesses in Illinois. Senator Connolly, I'm thinking that that's what a lot of uh, a lot of voters are saying. Pass a budget. The, 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 there have been times when governors didn't get along with lawmakers, even when they were all Democrats. Uh, and budgets got passed. If we had a unicameral legislature, I think this <laughs> would have been done a long time ago. Uh, unfortunately, we have this place called the Illinois House of Representatives, and um, unless and until um, the speaker is is ready, willing, and able to to compromise on on comp and fair map and and uh, redistricting, um, we're going to be in this situation. I agree with you. There are no, I get calls emails. I'm sure Don gets similar calls and emails every day, just pass a budget. And the way I read this, and I'm not in the house anymore, but the way I read it is passing a budget would simply mean just raise taxes. You sign that governor, and then we'll talk about these other things. Well, the Illinois voters had that opportunity four years ago. They could have elected three years ago. They could have elected Pat Quinn, but they said, no, we want both parties involved we want a compromise. This governor comes from the private sector. This governor understands private sector job growth. But both parties need to work together. I agree with Don. I think our side of the building has put together the template uh, for a full, full-scale budget, and uh, we are waiting for the House of Representatives to uh, to do their job and uh, and send us something that's meaningful that can be tweaked and sent to the governor. Who wins if this goes on if the backlog of bills keeps piling up and the ratings keep going down absolutely no one and we should stop talking about it that way this isn't a game that we're trying to win this i am not prone to hyperbole and i have discounted a lot of the hysterical talk in years past i can't do that any longer we are really on the brink here we need a budget we need it now I'm not saying that we don't need reforms of all sorts of sizes, stripes, shapes, and sizes, but we, we can't engage in an honest conversation about those while we're burning. We need a budget. We need everyone, Democrats, Republicans, the governor. The governor built into his proposed budget a tax hike. Everybody knows we need to raise revenue. We're, we built into the budget. We passed the rate the governor agreed to, which was less than the rate that was in place under Pat Quinn. We agreed to the governor's spending levels, which are a deep reduction. I, I applaud my Republican colleagues. We wouldn't have $3.7 billion in cuts in this budget if they hadn't been at the table negotiating with us. Uh, they just forgot to vote for it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how would you characterize what happens, Mike Connolly? Well, I'm not so, I'm not so sure uh, that I would agree with that. Um, again, we uh, our side asked for first five years of a... Uh, not a property tax freeze. It is property tax relief. It's not a complete freeze. Um, and again, as I said on the floor of the Senate when uh, the, the work comp bill was presented by Senator Raul, my friend, I said, you will know it's real work comp reform when the lion's share of the votes come from our side of the aisle. Because the, one of the biggest stakeholders on, on the Democratic side of the aisle are the trial lawyers. And for it to be serious workers' compensation reform, the trial lawyers have to be holding as many Democrats off that vote as possible. And frankly, as happened in in early January, Kwame Raul would probably ask a Republican 
to present the bill uh, because of the uh, because of the fact that it was structurally uh, changing the workers' compensation uh, system in Illinois. I agree with Don as far as the thirteen billion in unpaid bills. This is this is so different than I first got there um, when Governor Quinn took over for the impeached uh, Governor Blagojevich, and I thought the tone was was negative then. Uh, this is un- beyond uncharted territory, and I think everybody in the General Assembly understands that. I know there are House Democrats that are as frustrated as Senate Republicans at uh, not having uh, you know, a full budget come out from the House back to the Senate for some form of concurrence or you know, non-concurrence. But again, I don't... I don't question that everyone down there doesn't feel this way. I, I just think everybody um, everybody understands, at least on our side of the building, that there will be compromise. Bill Brady filed a budget that includes a tax increase. Bill Brady out of Bloomington Normal. So um, it's, uh, again, I'm hoping the House of Representatives before June 30th um, gets something uh, that is meaningful, that is, you know, compromise with the governor's office that comes back to the Senate for a concurrence. What do either of you or both of you believe the governor should do to uh, unthaw this, 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 you know, ice block that seems to be between the house and the Senate and between the Democrats and the, and his, the governor's office. The, The budget that we passed out of the Senate and is in the house right now is essentially the Bill Brady budget with a few tweaks because Republicans wouldn't vote for the, the deeper cuts. I think the governor should tell the House to pass it and tell the House Republicans to support it. It's his spending level and it's his uh, tax rate. But I just, I think this is important. I want to go back to the workers' compensation uh, bill for a minute because Mike's an expert on it. I'm not. But Hardly. <laughs> what we're talking about is how, how do you compensate a worker who loses a finger or a hand or an arm at, on the job? It's it's awful. and. If, if the proposed solution is to cut how much you compensate them for something like that, that's that's a hard thing for us to do. But the bill that we advanced initially was one where Democrats were willing to poke our supporters in the eye. We went way beyond where we could have gone politically or should have gone politically. And we just need our Republican colleagues to do the same to the governor. He needs a poke in the eye right now, too. Uh, I want to bring up a couple of other issues while we still have a few minutes. Uh some of which uh, are headline issues. Let's take the the biggest one of the week, the Paris uh, Climate Accords. Um, A lot of states or a number of cities are saying we are going to abide by them regardless of what happens at the federal level. Should Illinois do that too? I know Chicago is one of the cities that's saying it's going to reduce its carbon emissions uh, to the uh, line of the accords should should Illinois do that? We haven't heard from the governor yet on this, but should we be doing that, Mike Connolly? I I don't think so. I think what the problem with the Paris Accord, and I didn't know I was going to be answering federal questions, but let's <laughs> let's go. Um, well, but it comes down to a state issue. No, it does in a lot of respects. The problem with that whole the the uh, Paris Accord, it never went through the U.S. Senate. And it was never ratified. Uh, it would be the same thing with uh, if the state of Illinois wanted to do, a, um, you know, like a carbon tax or something, send it to the uh, General Assembly. I would not support it. Um, 
you know, but home rule municipalities like Chicago can can enact the rules they wish. Um, but um, as far as the what the uh, what came out of Washington, that matter never went to the U.S. Senate for ratification, which was fundamentally uh, a flaw from the beginning. Hey, Don Harmon. We don't need the U.S. Senate to ratify anything. We should do it because it's good for Illinois and it's good for jobs. I'm a proud sponsor of the Illinois uh, Renewable Portfolio Standard that puts us on a path to uh, using 25% renewable energy by 2025. Clean energy jobs is one of the largest segments of the Illinois economy right now, and it's going to keep growing with the bill we passed last year. We could add 45,000 new jobs over the next five years. This is this is going to happen whether we do it or not because the economy is dictating it, but we should do everything we can to foster it and to remove impediments to investing in a clean energy future in Illinois. Well, here's a pure state uh, state issue. $15 minimum wage. It uh, it has passed, headed to the uh, to the governor's desk. Don Harmon, should the governor sign it? He should sign it or he should send back instructions to the General Assembly to negotiate a different increase in the minimum wage. We haven't had an increase in more than 10 years. Uh, people can't get by on the minimum wage today. We can do it in a way, as we always have, that's good for business. Uh, we can phase it in as this $15 minimum wage is phased in. We could do it over a longer time if that was easier for business to digest. But it's important that Illinois uh, join uh, other major states in moving towards a living wage. Michael Connolly. I think he'll veto it. I think he should veto it. I, uh, it's interesting. We have a colleague, Senator Jim Oberweiss, the Oberweiss Dairy, and he is, um, I think he put a bill forth, the last General Assembly, that had kind of a two-tier um, minimum wage for kind of the high school, college age, mm-hmm. and then those who were trying to raise a family on, um, on a wage, and certainly they were, they were far different. But again, it's something that the governor has talked about as being part of an overall uh, budget package. The good news is the bill that I voted for and you voted against had that uh, lower minimum wage for folks under 18, high school kids working at the ice cream shop. Um, would you would you like to see something like that come back? That's not the one that is on the governor's desk now. Right? Oh, it is. So it the, is? The minimum wage, it's a lower minimum wage for teen workers. We recognize that issue. Okay. All right. Um, what is going to happen in the next round of elections if the public feels that you're all at fault. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that the, that the news coverage is, and frankly the percept, public perception of the battle in Springfield is all on one side or all on the other. I think people are just getting disgusted with, you know, all, all of the politicians. And, you know, what's, what's going to happen to the confidence in this system if you go another year without a budget? Well, they should be rightfully angry, and I also uh, I think that there's powers that be in the other side of the aisle, the Democratic Party, that believes that the state, the average voter, will blame the governor, and I happen to think they won't. I th- I'm still hopeful that we have a solution and that uh, the gravity of our problems will bring everybody ultimately to the table, maybe even before June 30th of, of this very month. But as far as... Uh, I had a great uh, friend of mine in the house said to me the other day, he goes, it's like the, uh, those soldiers in the, you know, in the middle of battle, you, you're almost assuming that you're going to, um, be a casualty. So you're going to do things that you didn't think you'd ever do before, uh, 
to, to help your side win. And it's, it's unfortunate, but, um, it's, um, it's a, it's a rightfully very toxic environment out there. Don Harmon, what do you think are the chances of getting something resolved before, uh, June 30th? Because really the fiscal year doesn't start until July 1st. So there is this, this grace period where something could be worked out. The Senate Democrats have already passed a responsible, balanced budget with adequate revenue to pay for the reduced spending levels that we established. Um, I hope that the House and the governor see the wisdom of doing that. Uh, I worry because I don't think voters are going to blame only the governor. I think they're going to blame all of us who are involved in this, and they should. The benefit of being in the legislature is you represent a smaller district and you have a fighting chance of going home and explaining to the people you represent what you did and why you did it and why you think it's the best thing. Um, I'm going to have to make, let make that the last word because we are out of time. We could have done an hour on this. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, state senators, Don Harmon and Michael Connolly for spending this half hour with us to our listeners. If you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's cbschicago.com. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I'll be back next. No, I won't be back next week. Elisa Fielding will be in the big chair next week, and uh, she'll be talking about tourism. So I hope you'll be listening for that. I certainly will be. Uh, Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.